today. We know that you are here with us. We ask that, Lord, as we continue just worshiping you through song, that you will allow your love to just shine through this place, Lord God, that we feel your presence so greatly because we have come here for you and for you alone. Thank you for the things that you bring to us each and every day. You are worthy of all of our praise, Lord, and we thank you for your love. Now I'm alive 
Crossroads Ministries. You can uh, have a seat at this time, but we want to thank you for coming out 
today. At this time, we ask you to pass the friendship folders are in front of you or at the end of the aisle, and we'd appreciate you taking care of the friendship folders. This coming Tuesday, our mops will be meeting at 9.15 in the morning. Also, they'll be having some special events uh, throughout the summer. And on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, we will be having our starting point uh, group. And starting point is designed for those who are maybe just wanting to check some things out about who Jesus is. Maybe you've been away from your faith for some time and you want to return. That's a great opportunity. Or maybe you're just new in your faith. We invite you to come out 7 o'clock starting this Tuesday. It's an eight-week course. On Wednesday, we have our adult Bible fellowship for men and women. And it is at 6.30 in the evening. Also, our Connect students meets over at the Straight Street building. And it, for our middle school, it starts at 6 o'clock. And for our high school, it starts at 7.30. On Thursday, we have our Sweet Sixties. It starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. And also 724, which is our young adult group. And it starts at 724 at the Straight Street building. On Friday, we have Celebrate Recovery, designed for those with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It starts at 6 o'clock over in the gym. It's a Christ-centered recovery program. We have our summer movie series starting uh, June 26th, and the movie for June 26th is Dolphin Tales on a giant screen down in our field. And also, at the end of the services, if this is your first time with us today, we invite you to go out into our foyer to the Welcome Center. As you exit through the doors on the left-hand side, there's a Welcome Center. They have some information for you and also a special treat. Thank you so much for being with us today. We hope you have a great time. Thank you, Brother Al. Well, it's sure good to see everybody in the church today. If you're happy to be here, say amen. amen. What, a, what, what enthusiasm today. I think the sun, of course, has something to do with that. But, boy, to celebrate Mother's Day is truly, truly exciting. Uh, before you leave today, I saw after the first service, people were lingering behind reading some of these tributes that are on both sides of the auditorium. I, I encourage you to do that. They're really heart-touching. I think we're going to try to get them on the, um, our website somehow so that you can go on and, and uh, look at all of them. Uh, we thank you every week for your faithfulness in giving. Uh, we appreciate it. You'll never know how much. Uh, it enables us to do all the ministry that you hear about uh, in the courier and uh, things that while you're home doing things, this church just keeps going on and on almost every night of the week. And so we thank you for, for giving. And so we've come to the time of our service that we worship the Lord through giving. And so let's stand together and do that. As our ushers come, we'll receive the morning offering. And of course, uh, the Lord gets all the credit for enabling us to, to go to work, uh, to earn a living, and then to come back here into our church family and provide the needs of our church. Let's thank God for this. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love and how you take care of, of our church, Lord, through our people how you watch over them from week to week as they go to work and as, as they um, provide a living for their family. We pray now that as we give for your work, that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We want to thank everyone who participated in our Moms Who Rock. And at the end of the service, we invite you, you may want to browse around the auditorium a little bit. 
uh, the different uh, submissions are posted on the walls. Also, they'll soon be on our web website, crsmin.com. Thank you so much for your participation with that. And uh, today, we have a few selected uh, readers about their moms. And the first one we have reading today is Brandon Hoffman about his mom, Angel. Hello. Um, my mom was supposed to come today. She lives about 35, 40 minutes away. Um, and last night she called and said her car broke down. Uh, and my wife was running a, a race this morning, so it left me kind of in a pickle as far as should I go pick her up and have the kids come. But anyway, she was going to be here, um, but I had someone recorded for her service, so I'm going to show her afterwards when I take her out to lunch. Um, she's paying, though. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> that's on a video. Um, so my, you know, my mom, she... Um, she is the definition of sacrifice. I know all moms uh, and, and, and dads and, and, and family sacrifice, but she um, she is the ultimate definition of sacrifice. Um, you know, she she uh, she gave up all of her life to raise me to be um, to be an awesome dad, in my opinion, uh, and, a, and a great husband. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, she was 17 when I was born, uh, pregnant at 16, and uh, 17 when I was born. Um, and obviously, that that's an age where any of us uh, probably aren't even aware of what they're going to do for high school graduation or college or the next step in life, let alone how to raise a child. Um, but yeah, there she was, 17, never had a senior year of high school, um, and she had a, had a baby. Um, she, had, she had the option of abortion, she had the option of adoption, um, or even other worse uh, thoughts that could have, could have taken place. And this was a time and age in 1981 where it, being a single parent wasn't necessarily as, as easy it is might be today not that it's easy but just it's it's more acceptable today so she made a choice in 1981 as a 17-year-old kid to to keep a little baby boy and try to raise this boy on her own um, for the first seven and a half years of my life it was just her and I uh, we bonded a lot we, we, we grew together uh, we have an open communication line to this day um, you know 34 years later but she she gave the ultimate sacrifice she gave up everything you know her entire life any dreams or hopes of, of what she could become gone um, so she she, um, you know, we lived uh, with family sometimes, friends sometimes, and when that uh, panned out and fell through, we went to the next place until I was about three. We got our own place to live in, uh, her and I. Um, but she, um, she did what, you know, the best she could, all, you know, all by herself for me. Um, fast forward 27 years now, um, you know, I'm 34 years old. I have three kids of my own, and, you know, now as a parent of my own, I can see how much you love your children, and nothing gives me more... Um, didn't happen for service. <laughs> Nothing gives me more excitement than when my kids get excited and they just love Nana. Um, and that, that's who she is. She's Nana to them. You know, they, they love their mom and dad, but they really love Nana. They love hanging out with her. Um, you know, how Nana gets silly with them, how much fun she is with them. Um, <laughs> you know, as a kid, I always grew up and thought, you know, she did too much parenting, you know, too, too many momisms, too much, too much hard, you know, tough love. And, you know, as, as, a, as a dad now, I see with my kids, I'm saying the same things. <laughs> um, I'm always saying, well, your mom, you know, your, your nan always said, you know, such and such. And, and I always find myself laughing about it because I always gave her a tough time about it. And she, she 
whether it was under her breath or not, she just said, whatever, <laughs> your time's coming. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's here, you know, my, my kids are, well, Kayla's going to be 11 this month, Chloe's going to be 7 next month, Claire's 8, and, uh, you know, they, they, just, they just love their Nana. And that is the biggest thing for me that's getting me choked up is I love my kids so much, and, and, and I just see what, man, this is so hard. <laughs> this is me out of my character. <laughs> Normally I'm laughing. Um, <laughs> This should have been recorded. <laughs> um, but, you know, she rocks. She, she's, she's a great mom. And you're going to hear other great stories. I'm sure you guys love your moms. They're all great. But she, she was an ultimate sacrifice. She gave everything to raise a little boy to be you know, a great man, a great father, a great husband. Um, and I, I, just, I just love you, Mom. I wish she was here. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Wow. Uh, and we did get to see a different side of Brandon, but it's his love for his mom. The next person reading is Patty Shepley about her mom, Garnet Beach. I hope that doesn't carry through because <laughs> none of us had trouble in the first service. Okay, good morning and happy Mother's Day to every mother out there today. You're all very special. Fifty years ago, today, today, May 10th, my mother was widowed with nine little children. She had, they raged in age from 18 months to 14 years. Oh, you can hear me better when I do hold it up here. <laughs> As you can imagine, that event had a huge impact on her life. Fast forward seven years from then, to a day in March of 1972 when her decision to accept Jesus as her Savior was another huge event in her life. But I w want to share what started on Mother's Day of that same year, 1972. <clears throat> Sometime during the preceding week, Mom invited all us kids to a special Mother's Day service at the church to be with her. She wanted us to be there because she hoped to win the prize for having the most children present in the service. It was a dead ringer, you know. <laughs> it was going to happen. She said that was all she wanted for Mother's Day, and of course she did win the prize. But as time passed, I figured it out. You might call it was an aha moment in my life. The real reason she wanted us in church that day was so that we could hear about someone who loved us more than she ever could. I don't recall the message that was preached, but the seed that was planted in my heart that day was watered for a few years, and finally, in 1977, God gave the increase, and I accepted the Lord as my Savior. Through the years and many prayers later, most of my siblings have made that decision, and we continue to pray for those who haven't, that someday they will accept the Lord as their Savior. Mom always said, where there's life, there's hope. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous mother avails much, as Pastor has said so many times from the pulpit. My mother was a wise woman, a good teacher and faithful servant, generous, creative and imaginative, intelligent, witty, strong-willed, loyal, fun to be with, and a force to be reckoned with. Interestingly, if you replace the word love or it with mother or she or her in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 
And although never per perfect on this side of eternity, it reads this way. A mother is patient and kind. A mother does not envy or boast. She is not arrogant or rude. She does not insist on her own way. She is not irritable. Well, sometimes she can be. Or resentful. She rejoices not at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. A mother bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. A mother's love never ends. As kids, we did not have the perfect life or the perfect mother, but we were loved to the moon and back, and we all knew that. Mysteriously, and the mystery being that it's a mother thing, that love was tailored to meet each and every one of our individual needs. I'll give you a few examples. Tommy didn't like mayonnaise on his sandwich, so she made sure he had ketchup on his bologna. <clears throat> she dared not to fail to beep the horn of the car when she went to the store because Joel was standing at the door waiting for her to beep so he could wave goodbye. Her morning recital to Chris made his day. Well, good morning, Chrissy Sunshine, and how are you today? The birds are up, the bees are up, so come on out and play. When I was sad or upset, just knowing she was nearby was comforting to me, whereas my sister Joan always needed a hug, and Mom knew that, and she delivered. We all had a special song sung by her. Mine was, She's Her Daddy's Little Girl. Those gestures of love are countless and eternally meaningful to each of us. Every year leading up to Mother's Day, Mom put a list on the refrigerator with all nine of our names on it. Barbara, Mary Beth, Bobby, Patty, Tommy, Chris, Joan, Jay, Joel. When you checked in by way of a card, a gift, a visit, a phone call, whatever it may be, as long as it wasn't on Facebook, you got your name checked off the list and you were in good standing for the rest of that year. Heaven forbid if your name was ever left unchecked. On December 13, 2008, her purpose on earth was completed and without any advance warning, the angels came. Although I cannot see her, touch her, stop by for a visit, she's always with me because I am a natural byproduct of her. I say and do things that she would have. Many of my interests are things that she also liked to do. She too loved spending time with her kids and grandkids, reading, learning new things, sewing, quilting, knitting and crafts, gardening and going to the beach. My greatest desire is to see Jesus someday and cast my crowns at his feet and thank him for everything he's done for me. But I also look forward to being reunited with my perfected mother and spending eternity with her too. Heaven now seems that much sweeter to me. Thanks, Mom, for all you did on earth. I love you, and I know you're having a happy Mother's Day. And by the way... If there's a refrigerator in heaven, please check my name off. Thank you, Patty. At this time, Chris Hensley is going to read about her mom, Barbara Early.
Happy Mother's Day to all the awesome moms and grandmoms out there. Pray for me that I don't cry. Our mothers are close to our hearts. My mother, Barbara Early, like her mother before her, is a woman of faith. As long as I can remember, she has exhibited her faith not just in words, but in deeds as well. Mom has always had a servant's heart and has been a true model of the doer of the word. As a preacher's daughter and the oldest of six children, you never had it easy. The earliest memories I have of my mom was of her constant work, work, work. Work for the Lord, work for her family, work for others. She's told me how she recalls that as a middle child of three children belonging to a busy mother, I would tug on her skirt as she was in the kitchen, vying for her attention. I'm sure mom felt like there was always someone or another tugging on her skirt, literally and figuratively, but she never complained. Somehow she managed for decades to work full time, keep a spotless house, and clean and labor for the church. She fed our family elaborate meals on a daily basis. Being a willing hostess, there was rarely a Sunday dinner or holiday when there weren't multiple visitors for her to feed in addition to her own family. Whether it was a traveling evangelist, someone alone and away from home, or someone less fortunate, mom always managed to make more so that there was enough for one and all. I even remember one day when a person taking a pole from door to door ended up sitting down to dinner with us. Our dad called her Mrs. Clean because it was not unusual for her to eat, <clears throat> for her to be on her hands and knees scrubbing the floor at midnight after an already long, hard day. It still amazes me that frequently mom would single-handedly make up to 40 pies in one night for the church bake sale the next day. Not just any pies, but the world's best pies. She was constantly organizing rummage sales and bake sales to help raise funds for the small church that we attended. I remember seeing my exhausted mom fast asleep in her chair many times after a nonstop day of work and chores, and I would think, what's she so tired about? How very little I knew then about how much she did do. We were all spoiled and had come to expect so much of her. I remember her selflessness. She would buy we three kids new outfits and take us to church, all decked out in our Sunday best, new hats, gloves, shoes. All the while, she was wearing the same dress she had worn over and over again. Sacrifice. That's what mothers do. I'll never forget when our pastor's wife needed a new coat. You probably did too. But you bought her one instead. Mom, you've been so faithful. No wonder God has been faithful to you. When you cried out to the Lord to heal your son born with a hole in his heart, he healed him. The doctor said he would need open heart surgery, but he didn't. They said chances were that he wouldn't survive, but he did. Then they told you Mike would never live a normal life or play sports, but he did. Now he's 51 years old and still the biggest pain and the, I mean, blessing from God that he's always been because he belongs to a faithful mother. Once grandchildren came along, forget about it. There was nothing you wouldn't do, give or buy for every one of them. You showered them with love and affection at every opportunity. You took care of dad, <clears throat> keeping him at home during his final years of sickness. Even when he could do nothing for himself, you saw to his every need, once again, faithful. Now your busy hands are tired. You move slowly and painfully. You apologize because you can't do like you used to. No apologies necessary. On the contrary, as we've told you, it's time for us to take care of you. As it says in Proverbs, her children rise up and call her blessed. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. 
We honor you today. We cherish your faithfulness. We thank you for your love and sacrifice. You have earned our undying gratitude. Thank you for being the shining example that God intended mothers to be. Thank you, Chris. At this time, we would like to honor our moms, and we, we salute you moms, and we'd like to ask all of our moms uh, with us today to please stand up. There you go. Don't be shy. Uh, thank you so much, moms, for giving of your lives. And on your way out today, uh, we have some chocolate for you. to sing after all that. Four years old with dirt on my face I've been out in the yard picking dandelions all day I burst through the front door when I gathered enough to give to my mom to show her my love when I held out my hands she looked down at me she said I never seen flowers as beautiful as these she's the one told me about Jesus. She's the one who taught me to sing. She deserves an arm full of roses. She's satisfied with a handful of Then she calls on the phone And the first thing she says Is I've read this card over and over again She's the one who told me about Jesus She's the one who taught me to sing She deserves arm full of roses she's satisfied with a handful of weeds she's always known what true love means and I want her to know what she means to me told me about Jesus. She's the one who taught me to sing. She deserves an 
arm full of roses She's satisfied with a handful of weeds She's more than satisfied With a handful of weeds exciting day to honor our mothers. Where would we be without our mother? Amen? And how mom has made an impact and certainly changed, changed your life because of who she is. I'm the man I am today because of my mother, and I'm so thankful for that. We've, um, we've been in a series here called AD, and so we're going to continue in our series of AD this morning, but as we look at some of these things from the early church there are several principles that I found that are just so applicable to being a mom. So, so, certain things that are just so powerful that we all need, but especially as mothers today. And um, if you have your Bible, turn into Acts chapter 6. This is where we're, we're going to be starting at in just a few moments here. Acts chapter 6. I just want to kind of bring us up to speed where we're at here. Think about how the early church, this was, this was a group of people that had come to Christ and they, they, most of them, many of them were eyewitnesses of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And so these, this early church, the group of people, they've come together and they are spreading the word and, and the, the intensity is high, the, the excitement is, is incredible as they are spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came, that he died, he was buried, he rose again, and they would go out and spread the word. And over in Acts chapter 4 verse 20, Peter and John said that we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Uh, even though they were thrown in jail, they said we just cannot stop speaking about this. That Jesus rose from the dead. So they had an incredible, uh, incredible energy and incredible excitement to spread that. And an incredible boldness as they went out and they began to spread this word of who Jesus is. Look at Acts 4.29 through 31. And uh, Acts 4.29 says, and this was the prayer of the early church. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that, will, that with all boldness they may speak your word. There's that word boldness. They're asking God that he would give them boldness. Not necessarily that he would take away the problem, that he would take away uh, the, the threats. But, Lord, give us boldness boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servants verse 31 and when they prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and they spoke the word of god with boldness so boldness was a big part of the early church. They, they didn't just come down and say, oh, let's dumb down our message. Let's just, let's just not mention Jesus. Let's just do this. Let's just do that. They said, let's bring out Jesus to the forefront. This Jesus is the one who rose from the dead, and we are proud of it. We are going to proclaim it because we want people to know him. In your notes this morning, the first thought I've given you is that God gives boldness as we serve him. 
God grants boldness as we serve him. And what is this boldness? Boldness is not uh, like recklessness. It's not reckless impulsiveness. It's not I- ignorance. It's not arrogance. It's the, the uh, ability to move forward, to continue on with the mission, even in the threat of danger. Even with the, the idea of a, an imminent danger, your life was on the line. These people were being bold despite the danger. You know, in our world today where we live, we live in a, in a safe little world, don't we? Uh, we, we? You know, we're living in this nice part of the country and everything's relatively safe in our, in our area. And we think about the boldness and think of how that we shy away from maybe presenting the gospel, maybe sharing, just even speaking up for Jesus. And we tend to shy away from that because, well, maybe they won't like me. And yet here in the early church, they were, dealing, they were bold in the face of danger. There was an eminent threat, eminent danger. Today we often pray for deliverance versus praying for boldness. God's called us to be bold, to go out and to share Jesus, to just drop his name out there, to, to plant seeds all over the place. This early church, they came together and they, they were a growing community. Um, and, and you saw 3,000 come to Christ one day. You see another day, 5,000 come to Christ. And in the book of Acts, we see about 100,000 people come to Christ. And so there was new challenges that were arising. Uh, they had favor in the community. As, the, as they were out in the community, the, the, the word was known, hey, that group of people, they love each other. That group of people over there, the followers of Christ, um, yeah, they, they have this Jesus, and they talk about the resurrection, but this guy, these people... They have a sense of community. They have a sense of love. And I really like what those people are saying. And Acts tells us that, that they, saw, they found favor among their community. We have nothing to be afraid of in our world in which we live. It's time to step out and be bold. It's time to step up the boldness. As this new church was forming, they had all, the, all these people were gathering and, and there was community and many things were happening as they were, they were sharing their needs, helping meet one another's needs. And then all of a sudden, a little bit of trouble starts to come. I call it growing pains. You know, that, that's what happens. As a, as, a, as a group grows, any church, all churches go through growing pains and so did the early church. Uh, they went through growing pains. Let's look at Acts chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their, wid- their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. What was happening was the disciples were, they had this, this great ministry. God had launched the church and they... The 11, that was uh, the, the 11 disciples plus Matthias, the 12 of them together, were leading the church. And they had to take care of the needs, the needs of the church. And, and what happened, though, there was, there was this issue that arose between the Jewish, uh, there was two groups of Jewish people there. There was the Hebrew-speaking Jews, and then there was the Greek-speaking Jews. And so the Hebrew-speaking Jews, which were the Jews that were already in Jerusalem, and remember, this was around Pentecost. It was around the, these big festivals. So people had made their journey back. So from that, from that diaspora where, where the Jews had been spread all over the world, these Jews were coming back in. There was a group of Greek-speaking Jews. They had come to Christ. And, and as they've come to Christ, they're staying around Jerusalem. And, and there's a lot of energy in this new church now. And the widows from the Greek-speaking Jews, it appeared that they were being slighted. 
It appeared that their needs weren't being met. Why, why, are, why is this not happening? And so they came and brought the attention. And look at what they do. Chapter 6, verse 2. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, Is it not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables? It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, the apostles weren't saying here that, they, that, they, that this was beneath them to wait tables. They weren't saying that serving the tables was non-important. They were saying, look, we've been leading this ministry so far, and we cannot keep up. We need help. We need help so that these widows' needs are being met, and we don't want to neglect our time in the Word and in prayer. We don't want to neglect our ability to lead the church. We need more help. Verse 5, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip. And then they named five other men. There were seven men that they chose. But they chose Stephen. He was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. They identified and said, this is what we want to do. We want these men to help us and to be a part of meeting the needs and to help us to, to serve the people. These were servants of God. God called them to be servants. Uh, seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And they had a job to do. And they, they, they made that decision. It was similar to what Moses did in the Old Testament. Moses was leading the, the nation of Israel, and, and his father-in-law Jethro says, This is too big. You're going to burn out. You are going to wear yourself out. You need to get other people who can lead smaller groups. And so he divided the whole nation up into smaller groups. And, and the, the, there was many leaders. And all these people were able to do and meet needs. And that's similar to what has happened here in, in the early church. These men, they came on. We see that as our first deacons in the early church. But their task was to serve. To serve the body. To serve the people of the church. And as they came, and you may look at it, and you, you see that the serving of waiting tables seems like a small thing. But I want to encourage us all today, and the second thought in your notes is to begin to serve God in small ways. Begin to serve God in small ways. I want you to think about this. Here, here's a man, um, Stephen, is a, a great man. He has a lot of other talents, but he's chosen, first of all, to serve. And he serves by waiting tables. He's, he's caring for the widows. He's setting up the, the feeding program for the widows. And, and sometimes we look at that and we say, well, that seems so insignificant, but it's not. See, that was the very heartbeat of God was the care for the widows. He was all about care. The, the, Jesus always, when you see Jesus on the, on the earth, he met people's needs. He was there. And the heartbeat of Jesus is to go to the fatherless to go to the widow, to go to the brokenhearted. And so as these men were chosen to serve, I can't help but think of, here were men that had some great talents, but they were chosen to serve. And it looked like small, it looked like something that was meaningless, but it actually had great meaning. And as we think of Mother's Day today, I can't help but think about the work of a mother and how hard that a mother must work. 
And moms, that's what you are. You're servants. Servants of God. Servants to your family. And sometimes you say, yeah, I feel like a slave to my family, don't you? But I'll tell you what. You are a servant of God. And you, you, get, you have this awesome opportunity to, to go and to change lives. And the people in, in your house, they get a great impact by you, moms. You look at the, the, the small serving. Think of the mother who has to wait tables every day, right? We all tend to take, a look, take that for granted. I know in our house we do. We take it for granted when there's dinner on the table, don't we? And the kids always take it for granted. And the dad always takes it for granted. Take it for granted when it's late on the table, don't we? We, we get a little angry when it's late. And we start, we start, we start getting all, all flustered. In the meantime, here's somebody who's serving us. And it's incredible that, that you know, the things that a mother does. I, I want you to think, moms, about... Uh, I know there's a lot of young moms in our church right now. And I want you to think about how those young moms are changing diapers. And that seems so small, doesn't it? And you're sitting here saying, oh no, there's nothing small about that. Nothing small about that. But guess what? You're making an impact. You are serving somebody that is going to grow up and have a potential to change the world. You are investing your life into someone. Uh, Acts 6, 8 says this. It says, in Stephen, he was full of faith and power. Another translation says that he was full of grace and power. And the concept here, when you see the word full, is, is, is controlled. He was controlled by faith. He was controlled by grace, controlled by power. He was a kind man. Kindness, when you thought of Stephen, you would think of a, somebody who was kind. And uh, he had a high calling. The highest calling was to be the servant of the Lord. If you look throughout the Old Testament, look throughout the New Testament, you'll find that the highest calling was the servant of the Lord. And that's what Stephen was. He was a servant of the Lord. He had an opportunity to serve God, and he started out in small things. And, you know, there's a principle that we can learn from Stephen's life. When you're faithful over the small things, many times God gives you greater responsibility. And we just be faithful in serving in the small ways. And I want to encourage us all today in our church to be faithful to serve in the small areas of life. Because what we see about Stephen, not only did he serve in the small areas, it says, and Stephen, full of grace and power, and we'll put up the rest of the verse there, all right, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So God gave him a greater ministry. He gave him more responsibility. Uh, he still continued to do the small things. And then he, God said, okay, I'm going to use you. And he did these signs and wonders, and he was making an impact on the people there. Serving can be challenging. Serving can be challenging, and that's what happened here with, with, with Stephen. He faced a challenge. Not, now he, he started out in the small areas, then God gave him this, this great gift of speaking. He became a public speaker for the church. He was kind of like a, 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 a speaker that would be an apologist. He was, he was incredible. I mean, the guy had an incredible brain. And he was able to speak the truth of God's word. And he stepped up to the plate, and he did what God called him to do. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And there arose some 
from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, disputing, by, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And so they, they started a little smear campaign. They said, let's get a few guys together and start to accuse him of blasphemy. And so they, they get this, this idea going that, and remember, blasphemy was against the law, the Jewish law. So they, they said that he was treating God's word lightly. That's what blasphemy is. That he, he threw it for no respect for God's word. He just didn't have any respect for God. And he was, he was uh, actually what he was doing was he was saying that Jesus is God. And so that was total blasphemy there in their eyes. And so they, they, they come together, they seize him, and they bring him before the council. And look in verse 15, as, he's, uh, as he is before the council, they bring all the accusations against him. Verse 15, it says, All who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Trouble begins, but yet Stephen is bold. Stephen doesn't back down. He doesn't say, well, I'm not going to continue to tell the people about Jesus. He says, I'm going to be bold. And all who sat in the council look at him and see his face like an angel. God's presence was upon him. I don't know what an angel would have looked like, what the face of an angel would look like, but I do know that God's presence was there with him, and he made a change. And the people saw it. This is what happened when Moses went up. When Moses stood on the mountain and he was up there with God, yes, his countenance was changed. And so was Stephen's face as he went out and ministered before the people. In the face of accusation, in the face of the threat of his life being taken, he stands up and he says, I am going to continue to minister. And so if you look through chapter 7, you read through chapter 7, you'll see that he gives his defense Kind of a little sermon, if you will. But he goes through, and he goes through basically a concise history of the nation of Israel. He shows great respect. Great respect for the Word of God. And he brings up the Scriptures as these religious leaders knew the Scriptures. And so he brings it up, and he goes through, he talks about Abraham, he talks about Moses, and he goes through David and Solomon, through Joseph, and he brings out to light that these people here were missing the point and that they had crucified Jesus. Acts chapter 7, verse 51 through 53 um, says this, and I'll just read it from another rendering here. It says, You stiff-necked people in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And the ones, and, and they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it he had a compelling defense of the scriptures and he says you're the ones you have taken this righteous one you've taken the messiah you missed it this was the messiah jesus and you crucified him and they didn't like it it was cutting to the heart. Verse, verse 54 says, When they heard, chapter 7, verse 54, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. And he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and said, Look, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
He kept his focus on serving. The focus of serving is Jesus. The focus of serving is Jesus. Even in the midst of his serving, he kept his focus on who Jesus is. And I want to encourage us to keep our focus on Jesus. You know, sometimes it's so easy to get, to get distraught with the, 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 the task at hand. For you mothers out there, it's so easy to get distraught with the, the challenge of trying to raise your children. Uh, for, for us, we're at that stage where we're, we're heading towards adult children. And that challenge is so much different now. But you know what? It requires boldness. It requires boldness to, to serve our family, to, to be there for them, to, to care, to make a difference, to be that advisor from the outside at times. It requires boldness. But I have to keep my focus on Jesus. And I keep my focus on Him as I'm serving. So I want to encourage you this morning, as you, you're serving God when you serve your family. When you serve your family, you're serving God. I want you to think about that, moms. When you go home and you, you do things for your family and you're serving them and at times it, just, it is challenging, it's overwhelming, and sometimes it's, uh, it seems as though nobody cares. You are making a difference. And you are serving God. He said, you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. So when you look at your child and you say, wow, I'm serving Jesus by caring for that child. I'm serving Jesus by changing that diaper. I'm serving Jesus by, by helping to mold a young life. Uh, you serve God when you serve the family of God, when you serve in the church. Uh, when, you know, this is the family of God here. When we come together and we serve, you know, our nursery has exploded downstairs. We have 10 babies in the nursery right now. That is just so exciting. But you know what that means? We need somebody to serve down there. We need people who will come in and say, I will hold these little babies who are made in the image of God, and I will love them, and I will serve, and I will care for them and invest in their life. You're giving them the, the, you're giving them the great start. And then look at all of our children's classes all over the church. There, there's places for you to serve. And as you serve in adult ministries, you serve all over the place, our teen ministries, our youth ministries. There are places here that you are serving. And when you come in, you serve this kid. You know, you come in and you teach a, a third grade class. That's really challenging. After you leave, after you've taught third grade class, you wonder what day it is. You know? And, and, and it's like, wow, this is, this is, this is crazy sometimes. I know my daughter, Kara, loves to talk about Karen Gazetsky. Karen Gazetsky taught her in third grade downstairs. And Karen just poured her life into her. And you know who Kara talks to me about when she talks about good memories of the good old days? It's Mrs. Gazetsky. Mrs. Gazetsky. Why? Because she cared about her. She loved her. She poured her life into her. Uh, you serve God when you serve those not yet in the family of God. When those that have never even been to church, you serve God when you serve them. Now, I have, I, I, I have my yards uh, where we live. The yards just kind of, there's no divider between our yards. And uh, my, my neighbor, the other day I was cutting the grass and I was feeling pretty good. And I noticed that my neighbor hadn't been home for a while. So I just said, I'm going to cut that grass. And I cut a, a good portion of it. And that neighbor came home. That neighbor came over and said, I just want to thank you. And you know what I was doing? I was serving God. I 
made a difference in somebody else's life, but I served God. And it wasn't something like I read some book, Go Cut Your Neighbor's Grass, and this is how they come to God. I just said, you know what? God impressed on my heart. I'm mowing my, mowing my grass. I can keep going. It won't hurt me. And that's what happens. Look for opportunities to serve those not yet in the family of God. Look what happened here. Even though it was challenging, he kept his eyes on Christ. And yet, Stephen pays the ultimate price. He pays the price of his life. Verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You will never know what is hanging in the balance as you serve through difficult times. You will never know what's hanging in the balance as you serve through difficult times. Here was, here was Stephen, and uh, it was difficult all the way to the end. And his boldness, he did not back down. He pays the price. And I'm sure Stephen wasn't sitting there saying, Oh, I'm, I'm happy. Today I'm going to get to die. He stood up, and he boldly proclaimed the name of Christ. And God says, Okay, Stephen, you've been faithful over little things. You, you waited the tables. I've allowed you to speak. And now, Stephen, I have something bigger for you. You're going to be the first martyr. And Tertullian said that the blood, uh, that the seed, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It made the church grow. You would think that after somebody gave their life that they would not, that the church would, people would not come to that church anymore. But these people, it flourished. And the church grew. And the church grew. And the church grew. And today you may be asking, you know, well, we, we don't live in that type of society. You know, it's so far removed from us that, that anybody would ever have to give their life. And, you know, we, we, we think that and we kind of feel that. But I'll tell you what, you look at the news today, you see groups like ISIS attacking Christians. One day you see 47 Christians lost their life. And this is in modern times. This is just a few weeks ago. Then you see a 147. They weren't backing down. They weren't hiding the message. They weren't saying, well, I'm not going to mention Jesus today. They weren't afraid of not being accepted. They gave their lives. And, you know, oftentimes I think, well, that may never happen in our country. But you know what? I'm starting to think a little differently, aren't you? That this times are changing, and, and we may have to be called to pay that price. But right now where you're at, it requires boldness. And let me just give you a few thoughts on boldness here. Boldness is deciding to say something when it would be easier to say nothing. Deciding to say something when it would be easier to say nothing. You're in, you're in a, an environment in, in Jesus. There's an opportunity for you to plant just the name of Jesus. Not even to, to, to go through a full gospel presentation, but just to plant a little seed. And you know, you, you feel that kind of inside. Boldness is whenever you actually speak up. Uh, yes, I do have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, yes, God can meet that need in your life. And God's called us to do that. We're able to drop those little seeds out there. Boldness is taking advantage of opportunities that present themselves. Uh, and, you know, it's not letting opportunities pass us by. We have an opportunity, and we, you know, it's so easy just to stand back. 
It's so easy to, to just not cut the neighbor's grass, isn't it? It's so easy just to, just to walk away and just to live in my comfort zone. Boldness is God's prompting my heart, and I'm going to follow through in obedience. Boldness is creating opportunities, looking for opportunities. How can I serve? How can I serve somebody else? How can I make an impact? How can I share Jesus? Today, Mother's Day, I want you to think about this. I think the, the greatest boldness today is being a mom. We live in a, we live in a world where Everything's up and down all over, the, all over the place. And raising children is, is a challenge. But I want to encourage you moms that, to be bold. And as we close today, I'm, I'm going to ask Jessica Meyer to come up here. Jessica is one, one of our great young girls in the church here, 10 years old. And uh, Jessica, she, she wrote A Moms Who Rock. And uh, her mom is here today. And I want you, Jessica, if you just read Your Moms Who Rock. My mom rocks because she takes care of us all by herself. She also rocks because she told me about God when I was little. Also, she makes me laugh, and that's why my mom rocks. Let's give her a hand. I just want to share with you. It's bold. We have to be bold today, right? She said, first of all, my mom rocks because she takes care of me all by herself. Mary, her mother, is a single parent. And Mary grew up here in the church. We had a lot of fun in the youth group days. And then as she got a little bit older, she kind of drifted out there. And life took a few turns, and it got pretty ugly in her life for her. And she was kind of far away from God. She ended up single parent with two wonderful children. Isn't she beautiful? And her brother Jacob. Yeah, aren't they beautiful kids? And this girl made in the image of God. Her son made in the image of God. And Mary, one day, comes through those doors out there. After being out of here for 10, maybe 15 years, she walked in the door, and it was a step of boldness. It was a step that was courageous because she said, I wasn't even sure. When I talked to her about this, she said, I wasn't even sure if I would belong, if I would be accepted just because of everything that happened in my life. She said, I didn't know, but I figured this is the only place I knew, and she came home. And when she did, what was the next part of your line? The second line says, I told, my mom told me about God when I was little. Bold step number two. She brought her kids to Jesus. And you know what? I'm talking to Mary out there, and, and, and Mary, Mary tells me that she goes by their bed each night, and she prays with them. She prays with Jessica. She prays with Jacob. And Mary's made some bold steps. And you know what? I said, Mary, how do you do it? She goes, I don't know. I just pray with them. And you know what? I thought that is really all it is, isn't it? It's doing serving in the small ways, but being consistent. And you know what? God took all the pain of her life. And you know what? She's not perfect. She's got things she's still working through for sure. But God's changed this little kid's life. And you know what this little girl did? She read the Bible through last year. Somebody in our children's ministry challenged her. She read the Bible through. Let's give her a hand. That's exciting. 
She told me she's working on her second time through now. It requires boldness. That's what Stephen gave his life. Can't we just be bold and say, Honey, Jesus loves you. Let's give her a hand. Thank you, Mary. Mary, would you stand up? Let's give Mary a hand. It requires boldness, folks. We have an opportunity to serve, whether you're a mom or not. Well, man, woman, every one of us, God's called us to be the church. Not to play church, not to go to church, but to be the church. And I want to encourage you, moms especially today, would you take a step of boldness? You already have done it. You're a mom. Continue to be bold. Let's all serve. How can we serve? Let's bow in prayer. Our Father and our God, we come before you, and I thank you so much for this great opportunity, Lord. God, I thank you for lives that are being changed, dear Lord. We don't even recognize it. We don't even see it sometimes. We, we get so busy with all the activities that we have, but yet Jessica and Jacob come to Christ. They got baptized last year. They're following you. You brought Mary back after a long period in her life of being away. God, there are so many, so many things in our life. I ask that you'll be with each person in here as we seek to serve you. We want to be the servants of God. And Lord, I ask that you will do this in a powerful way. That you will change our lives, Father. As we see the, the example in Scripture of Stephen as he stood up and he was bold and he gave his life in the boldness of speaking Christ. Not arrogance, not recklessness, but doing the few things in the name of Jesus. Father God, we love you. I ask that you help your people as they respond to your word. In your name we pray. Amen. As we sing our closing song, let's stand together. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, feel free to do so. such infinity